Hello, everyone, and welcome to the TimesOnline.com Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. This is your host, Brian Metzer, and it's great to be back with you as it is each and every week here on the show. Appreciate you all listening all season long and listening to this edition as well. Uh, I, uh, I'm recording this show ahead of the Penguins game against the Washington Capitals on Tuesday night because I wanted to spend a lot more time breaking down the trade deadline and some of the other things that have been going on ahead of that game. But it is a huge game for the Penguins just because it will show exactly how they stack up against essentially the best team in hockey this season. The Washington Capitals are on an otherworldly run right now, and it's going to be something interesting to watch how they fare against them. And of course, we'll break it down for you next week on the show, and I'm sure you'll all be watching the game Tuesday night as well. But I just wanted to let you know that if you don't hear me talking about the results of that game, it's because we're recording ahead of it just to to get through everything else. Before we get into all of the other things that I do want to cover today on the program, I do want to tell you where you can find the show if you're not finding it on timesonline.com. You can go and catch it at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Simply search the Beaver County Times. You'll find this program as well as all the other great content that we're producing on a weekly basis. We have uh, uh, high school sports covered there, the Pirates, the the Steelers, um, everything else, pop culture. You hear me mention that on a weekly basis, and I just want to make sure that you are aware there is more to see and hear than just Penguins coverage. There's a lot of great stuff, so check it out. And, of course, you can find it at timesonline.com. Where uh, you can also find me elsewhere on Twitter at Brian underscore Metzer, and there you'll find all of my great coverage. I hope it's great in your eyes anyway. I think we do a... um, a pretty good job of getting inside the team and looking at all of the Pittsburgh Penguins news, uh, analysis, and so on. But that can all be found at timesonline.com. You can find, uh, I will be tweeting out my NHL.com fantasy hockey column over there as well. So there's a whole lot of hockey content. I talk pop culture on my Twitter. I talk metal. I talk uh, television and a lot more. So check it all out over there. But let's jump right into it because we have a lot to get to. And uh, the time never seems to last long enough. So um, as as you prepare um, to, to watch the Penguins go into this stretch drive, which is going to be a crazy uh, ordeal for them. I think it's 16 games in 31 days, starting with the game against the Capitals on Tuesday night. But let's go through what happened over the last week. And the biggest story, of course, was the... National Hockey League's trade deadline passing. It just was in the books Monday at 3 p.m. on Leap Day. Uh, It was one of the worst trade deadlines that I can remember. Just nothing going on. Slow, boring. Um, it's, It's one of those hockey holidays. If you're a hockey fan, you know how much you look forward to the trade deadline, free agency day, all of the other things that go around revamping and rebuilding and retooling your roster, be it for a stretch drive and a run at the Stanley Cup, be it for the first step towards rebuilding for next season, acquiring draft picks, acquiring futures, acquiring prospects. That It's just a lot of fun to follow and keep up with. Well, this this year was just pretty pretty much a, uh, a snooze fest. And uh, I would have hated to be one of those guys. And I know it's getting worse by the year, it seems, that had to sit on national television, either in the United States or Canada, and talk about essentially nothing for four and five and six hours, especially in Canada. They put trade deadline shows on starting at 9 a.m., and running all the way up until 3 p.m. when the deadline passes, sometimes going beyond 3 p.m. They'll go 
up till 4 and 5 o'clock just because a lot of times, and you saw this happen on Monday quite a bit, a lot of deals come in under the wire where they're just getting them to um, central registry just ahead of 3 p.m. So there's a backlog in terms of getting the trade calls done and they can't announce them until that's all said and done. But the Penguins, luckily for them, I would say, because we would be disappointed right now if after they didn't do much on the trade deadline itself, they made all their moves ahead of time. And as you remember, they acquired Trevor Daly. That helped them revamp and retool their blue line um, several weeks back. They also acquired Carl Haglin. Those two moves really helped them become a faster team, a better skating team. I think it's helped their breakouts. It's helped their offensive attack. It's helped a whole lot. Well, they added to that uh, this past weekend because on Saturday, Jim Rutherford pulled the trigger on uh, the first of his three deadline deals acquiring Justin Schultz from the Edmonton Oilers. And if you were following my coverage at timesonline.com, we did mention him. And we mentioned him, I think, a couple weeks ago here on the show as well. But I definitely mentioned him uh, in my NHL.com column last week, and I mentioned him in Times Online over the weekend. But that's who Jim Rutherford was able to go out and acquire. He got him for a third-round draft pick. And the thing is, this kid has all-world offensive talent, has been beat up a bit for not being as good in his own zone and, and not being a you know that good a player defensively, especially for his size. He's over six foot. Um, he, he's you know just just under 200 pounds. He should be able to hold his own physically, but he sometimes gets a little bit overmatched. And I think that that's where the Penguins will have to work very hard to get people like Sergey Gonchar, Mike Sullivan, and some others in the organization, including Jacques Martin, to work with him and teach him how to play a little bit more positionally in the defensive zone because if he can get on track with that he'll be good at playing angles cutting off forwards as they're coming into the zone and you don't have to play all that physically then you just drive them to the corners you force passes you have your partner there to help you out and that will uh, go a long way towards making him better his offense should mesh very well with the penguins forwards here i think that uh, he's already proven to be a very good skater he makes a great first pass he makes a nice outlet pass and um, if you go back over the course of his career now before we get into that he's a restricted free agent after this season and that's the biggest problem because he's already making well over three million dollars and Unless he has an outstanding run with the Penguins, it might be hard to keep him around because to to keep his rights exclusively, you're going to have to um, tender a qualifying offer with him being a restricted free agent, which could be upwards of $4 million. And if he doesn't show that he's going to be worth that, you may not want to do that. Now, something that I proposed to uh, Stan Saverin over at ESPN 970 the other day when I had a chat with him on his show is that if if, uh, Schultz shows you enough over the course of his uh, stretch run here with the Penguins. Maybe you say, we'll give you the qualifying offer, don't sign it, that'll give us a window to negotiate, maybe a two or three year deal, we'll get you paid somewhere around where you were in the past, maybe a drop and pay a little bit unless he earns the right to keep his pay. I can't see him getting a raise though, but uh, that might buy you the time to negotiate a deal with him, but we will see how that works out. But generally speaking, he came in after a very nice career at Wisconsin, his collegiate career was outstanding, he rolled up a ton of offense there. Um played with Jake Gardner, the um, defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Those two were great together at Wisconsin. Well, once they got to the pros, they've each struggled a little bit, but Justin Schultz still had a pretty effective rookie season. Um, He put up, you know, it was eight goals and 27 points in 48 games as a rookie. 
that uh, was an average of 0.56 points per game. It looked like he was going to develop into a great complementary piece for that Oilers group of talented young forwards. Hasn't happened. Didn't happen. They continued to be a very bad team. His points per game has dropped in each of the next three seasons, including this one, and um, it's fallen to 0.22 points per game this season. His shots on goal have also dropped, but I think, as I mentioned a moment ago, playing with the Penguins forwards here, Justin Schultz will have a chance to blossom and become what we all hoped when we saw him come out of Wisconsin as this offensive player, this great puck-moving defenseman. Um, I wrote about it in the Monday uh, Beaver County Times and timesonline.com. If you haven't seen the article, please go check it out because I think it gave a pretty good behind-the-curtain view of why he might not have worked in Edmonton just because of the pressure that was heaped on him as a, a 22-year-old at the time, I mean, they were calling this kid the next Paul Coffey, and he was going to be, you know, their savior on the blue line, and they needed a defenseman and all of this. That just did not work very well. I think it's going to go a lot better for him uh, in Pittsburgh, but that's yet to, to uh, determine or yet to be determined. Now, um, he won't be in Pittsburgh till at least uh, Wednesday, Thursday, or later, he had uh, visa issues, as a lot of these players do when they're trying to come from Canada, switching employers from Canada to uh, the United States. So hopefully we will see Justin Schultz in the lineup maybe Thursday, whenever the Penguins play the Rangers. If not, I would assume he'll be here for the game on Saturday against the Calgary Flames. Um, the Penguins did pull off a couple more moves on Monday, the biggest of which, in my opinion, was getting a uh, team to take Sergei Plotnikov off their hands. You know we've been talking about Plotnikov quite a bit here because I couldn't understand why he wasn't given a conditioning assignment, why he wasn't sent to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton to play a little bit, just because he was just sitting here wallowing. He, you were, you're paying this kid money to do nothing. Well, Jim Rutherford had the Arizona Coyotes in his building on uh, Monday as the trade deadline was ticking down, and he must have been working hard with Don Maloney, who uh, Maloney actually told their media uh, in his press conference that Plotnikov's a player they were interested in signing as a free agent last summer. He uh, chose the Penguins, and they lost out, so they were pretty thrilled with getting a crack at him uh, at this trade deadline. So Jim Rutherford sends him to the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for German forward Matthias Plakta and a conditional 27 or 2017 seventh-round draft pick. Still working on finding what the conditions to that pick are. I haven't really heard much about what that is and uh, asked around a little bit at the game on Monday night and didn't get an answer, but I'm sure we'll have it before the end of the week, and if so... Check out uh, one of the upcoming Penguins insiders either on the game Thursday or, or Saturday, and we'll get that information out there for you. And of course, we'll, we'll share it with you here on the show as well. But uh, Jim Rutherford said, we wanted to clear up the Plotnikov deal, give him a chance to go somewhere and play. He wasn't going to play here, and he also added depth at center with his next deal, which I'm going to tell you about in a moment. But here's the whole scenario with Plotnikov, why things seem to go off the rails. Uh, Rutherford said, I thought there was about a five-week period where he played extremely well. He had a bunch of goal posts, and he had some great scoring chances. He was laying some good checks. The biggest thing, and here it is, everybody. We all wanted to know what happened, why he fell out of favor. The biggest thing was in the Christmas freeze when teams couldn't do anything. He requested to go back to Russia. We couldn't accommodate that because the freeze was on. From that point on, it was kind of like he wasn't all in here. That's not what the coach wanted. He wanted players that were all in, so he kind of got pushed aside at that point. So Mike Sullivan, 
Jim Rutherford, all of them, they got it through their heads that he just wasn't that invested in, in doing what they wanted him to do as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Sergei Plotnikov, now a member of the Arizona Coyotes, played against them Monday night, had a penalty. It was a, a lame brain penalty, too. So it was. it's not as if he went out and, and lit them up or anything. I think we all anticipated him having a big game against the Penguins. Simply did not happen as the Penguins beat the um, Coyotes 6 to nothing in pretty impressive fashion. But uh, a little bit about uh, Matthias Plakta. He is currently on a two-way contract carrying an a- annual average value of $743,000 at the NHL level. He also will be a restricted free agent after this season. He's 24 years old, and he's just spent his entire first year uh, in North America playing for the Springfield Falcons of the American Hockey League. That's their uh, the affiliate of the Arizona Coyotes. He put up two goals and five assists in 46 games for them. The interesting thing about him is he played the previous four seasons with Adler Mannheim in the top German league. He helped that team win the league championship last year, scoring five goals and nine points in 15 playoff games after amassing 35 points uh, with 14 goals in 47 regular season games. He... um, Also had a chance to play with Tom Kunako on a couple of national teams for them in junior tournaments uh, and the World Championships, that is. He represented the Germans at each of the last two World Championships, and he scored twice in seven games during the 15 um, World Championships and once in six games in the 14 World Championships. He's an undrafted free agent and um, was a high-level player in Germany. So we'll see how that game translates to the National Hockey League. A couple people I talked to about him seem to think that he has a chance to chip in as a bottom six forward in the National Hockey League if uh, if need be. I don't know that he'll ever be a regular in the National Hockey League, but to get both a player and a draft pick for a, for somebody you weren't using at all, I think that's a pretty nice deal. You give Plotnikov a chance to play somewhere, and you get yourself a couple future assets. So that's all you can ask of your general manager. The second deal that Jim Rutherford made on Monday was he acquired, or reacquired, I should say, uh, center Dustin Jeffrey. And that's what I was alluding to a moment ago whenever um, Rutherford said that he wanted to add some center depth. He uh, picked up Jeffrey. He also picked up uh, Dan O'Donohue and defenseman James Melindy. And those um, O'Donohue and Melindy were playing in the ECHL for the affiliate the affiliate of the Coyotes while Dustin Jeffrey was playing for Springfield along with Plakta. Now, the Penguins have sent Jeffrey down to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. They wanted to get some depth there at the center position because um, it turns out Oscar Sundquist is dealing with a little bit of an injury. Connor Sheary is dealing with an injury even though he was up here. He was also reassigned the other day. And uh, it looks like uh, Jeffrey will have a chance to play um, a, a bigger role for that team, which he's he's well used to doing. I mean, um, he led them in scoring a handful of seasons ago. It's his second go-round in this organization, obviously. He uh, has played 100 NHL games with the Penguins over the course of his career, and that happened between 2008 and 2013. He put up 15 goals, 13 assists for 28 points over that span. Um, he, he brings nice size. He's always been a, a player that we all thought could have done more here in Pittsburgh. Uh, he, he clocks in at six foot one, two hundred and five pounds, and uh, it's just somebody that you, you probably look for a little bit more maturity out of. He can go down there and be a leader with some of those other young players. Um, he has forty six points this season in forty five games, and that ranks him ninth in the American Hockey League. And he also chipped in 
during or by playing seven games in the NHL with the Arizona Coyotes this season. So we'll see if he ever gets up back into the lineup here in Pittsburgh. But for right now, he'll offer some nice depth at the bottom of the uh, depth chart in the organization in terms of being an extra center that's available. He won the Calder Cup uh, in the American Hockey League as a member of the Texas Stars in the 13-14 season. He put up 12 points in 19 uh, playoff games that year to help them win the championship. And it's a guy that uh, I think the Penguins in general are pretty familiar with. A lot of their their scouts and, and some of the assistant GMs, etc., that are still here are, are well aware of who he is, what he can do, and what he brings to the table. So when they saw Sunquist go down, he was an attractive commodity. They shipped out Mattia Marcantuoni to pick up those three players. So Mark Antuoni's a guy that's been up and down, was a great player at one point for the Kitchener Rangers coming out during his draft year. Uh, the Penguins selected him back in 2012, and his biggest claim to fame at the time was his skating. Uh, they they really liked his speed and thought he would be somebody that would eventually start to chip in a little bit more offensively. Hasn't happened as much as they would have liked. He's still a, a burner in terms of speed, but he had a lower body injury. I believe it was a knee uh, a couple years back that's sort of taken a little bit of that speed away from him. And uh, you see him move on now. Maybe he'll get a, a better chance with Springfield than he's shown here in the Penguins organization. But he was a regular for Wilkes-Barre-Scranton over the past season or so. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does for Springfield. Now, the Penguins did have one other transaction occur on Monday. They lost uh, defenseman David Warsawski on waivers to that pesky Ray Shiro over with the New Jersey Devils. And Rutherford said of Warsawski, our preference was not to lose him. We like him, would have preferred to keep him, but we had to put him on waivers to free up some cap space. And, um, you know, Warsawski chipped in with some big minutes early in the season for the Penguins this year. I thought he moved the puck very well. Wasn't shy about shooting it. It's a guy that... Hurts their depth chart a little bit defensively. I liked uh, what I saw from him. I'm sure a lot of you did as well. But he's going to now be a member of the New Jersey Devils. And um, I guess in a way, Penguins not that much more worse for wear though because Schultz is now coming on board. They have recalled Steve Alexi though uh, to be with the team until Schultz does get here. So there's a couple guys that now have been elevated on the depth chart and that's Steve Alexi and Tim Erickson probably at the bottom there from Wilkes-Barre Scranton who might have been um, maybe the 8th, ninth, 10th defenseman in the organization but now losing Warsawski, they jump up a little bit at least until um, Justin Schultz arrives. Now Generally speaking, you wonder why uh, Jim Rutherford didn't make maybe some bigger deals. Well, that's because he wants to see what some of his young players can do. You know, we've seen uh, Scott Wilson chip in with uh, four goals over his last six games. Connor Sheary's looking like he's going to be a decent player for them. Uh, Tom Kunockel's been able to contribute a little bit. Uh, you've seen... Um, what Kevin Porter's done. He's not necessarily a youngster. He's 29 years old, but they're all guys that have gotten opportunities this year that might not have otherwise, and that's exactly what Jim Rutherford pointed a finger at whenever he was asked on Monday why he maybe didn't make more moves, and he just first of all said for the prices and the cap implications, it wasn't worth it because there was nobody that was going to be an impact player for this team, and he followed that just by saying, it's time for this team to get some of their younger players in the lineup, and these guys have done pretty well. They brought good energy to the team, they've held their own, and they've scored some nice goals. I think it's time to get that mixture, and uh, I think you're going to see a heavy dose specifically of Scott Wilson down the stretch, and um, 
had a, a chance to catch up with Phil Bork about him. And the thing he talked about is it's not just the goals. That kid's out there working hard on a nightly basis. He's uh, doing it. He, the, the game he didn't score, well, he didn't score against the um, uh, Arizona Coyotes on Monday. But over the weekend, uh, he was effective against the Winnipeg Jets. There was another game where he didn't score against the Boston Bruins. The Penguins had a tough outing in general, but he got in a fight that night. So he's doing a lot to just say, I want to stay here with your team regardless. I may not score every night, but I'm going to do it with every in every way. I'm going to drop the gloves. I'm going to chip in defensively. I'm going to get back and play hard my own zone. I'm going to cycle in the offensive zone, and, and that's the way that's all gone. Now, one note to, to mention about the Penguins trade deadline, and we've spent almost 20 minutes on this. Hope you don't mind. It's usually intriguing, though. Uh, you know, I, I personally still love transactions in hockey, and that's why I wanted to, devote, wanted to devote such a big chunk of time to it today. But the, the Penguins, according to Bob McKenzie of TSN, were in on Dan Hamuse out of Vancouver. And the Canucks ended up not moving Dan Hamuse. He, he, they kept him. And the big part of that is because he has a no-trade clause, he wanted to be in Vancouver. He has family there. That's his, essentially a hometown team for him. And uh, he came up in conversation with the Dallas Stars, the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Los Angeles Kings. He didn't want to play in the Eastern Conference, even though the Penguins and Boston Bruins made late pitches for him. I'm not sure what the offer was from the Penguins, but I do know that the ultimate reason why nothing even got any more legs than that is because Dan Hamuse did not want to come to the Eastern Conference. Many are surprised that he didn't end up with um, going to the Dallas Stars, Chicago Blackhawks, or Los Angeles Kings. Biggest part of that is Chicago got Andrew Ladd and also made a trade for Dale Weiss and Thomas Fleischman from the Montreal Canadiens. L.A. made a couple of different moves. Dallas Stars ended up acquiring Chris Russell from the Calgary Flames for essentially the same package that they originally offered for Dan Hamuse. And then they, they reneged on that a little bit. And so the Canucks were a little upset by the fact that they pulled a little bit of a bait and switch on the offer because they preferred Chris Russell. And once they found out they could get Chris Russell for the same package that they were offering for Dan Hamuse, they went went that direction and then came back to Vancouver and still tried to get Hamuse for a lesser offer. And they, they said, no way, that's not happening. Now, uh, I pulled some info here on a couple other deals that impact teams that are ahead of the Penguins or that uh, would that impact the Penguins in general? And we'll start with the Washington Capitals, who they're obviously facing off against on Tuesday evening. The Caps acquire Daniel Winnick, who you know was a Penguin last season, along with a 2016 fifth-round draft pick for their captain, Brooks Like, or he was their captain before Alex Ovechkin. I still think of Like as their captain because he served in that capacity for many years until they took the C and gave it to Alex Ovechkin. But uh, they gave up Like, Connor Carrick, and a second-round pick. We'll see if Winnick does a better job for them than he did with the Penguins, but that's a nice get. We all know he kills penalties. He can chip in offensively. He can win face-offs a little bit, even though he plays a lot more on the wing than at center. So that makes the best team in the league even better. Another move that they made back on the 23rd of February, they acquired Mike Weber, who is a uh, a... A uh, native of Cranberry, PA. Sorry, I couldn't think of where. I couldn't remember where he was. I uh, just Cranberry was avoiding uh, my brain there. I couldn't couldn't nail it down. But he's going to make his debut against the Penguins 
on Tuesday night in this game that they're going to be playing. He'll be paired with Nate Schmidt, who is a good young defenseman for the Caps as well. Weber had this to say about joining the Caps and playing against the Penguins. He said, I've been doing this long enough. My mindset is to keep things simple. Continue to play the way I was playing. What got me here? What got me to the league? Again, it's always fun to get the first one in. It will be nice to play against the Penguins. Always had some good battles against them. Mike Weber is a solid stay-at-home tough-nosed, hard-nosed, sandpaper uh, defenseman, but he's not a lot. He's not a liability. He can skate pretty well. He moves the puck pretty well for what he is, and a lot of folks are surprised the Penguins didn't show some interest in Mike Weber, but he will be playing against his hometown team on Tuesday night. Now, the uh, New York Rangers, they acquired Eric Stahl, and that was a huge deal just because he was the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes. He's been with the Canes since he was drafted by them. He was selected right behind Marc-Andre Fleury in the 2003 draft. And uh, Eric Stahl goes to the... Uh, he goes over to uh, the Rangers in exchange for two draft picks, two second-round draft picks, and one of the top prospects in the Carolina organization. A lot of folks think that Carolina... Or in the, in the Rangers organization, sorry. A lot of folks feel like... The uh, Hurricanes did not get enough for Eric Stahl. That was, um, they've been looked at as a little bit of a loser in this deal anyway, even though they moved out some other parts and acquired some other assets. Another team that's of interest to Penguins fans, the Florida Panthers, because they're right there ahead of the Penguins in the conference. And if you're jockeying for a position, these teams in the Atlantic Division matter. They sent out Brandon Peary in exchange for a six-round draft pick. And then they went on to acquire Yuri Hoodler from the Calgary Flames for a couple of draft picks, Teddy Purcell from the Edmonton Oilers for a draft pick, and uh, Jakob Kindle from the Detroit Red Wings. Now, that's a depth defenseman for them and two more forwards that are capable of scoring. So the Panthers really starting to look like a dangerous team. Uh, the Boston Bruins, who the Penguins are jockeying for the two wild card positions with, they acquired John Michael Lyles from the Carolina Hurricanes and Lee Stepniak from the New Jersey Devils, both players that I speculated in my trade piece over the weekend for timesonline.com could be on the move and potentially on the Penguins' radar. They both get traded to a rival of the Penguins, the Boston Bruins. And lastly, the Islanders acquired Shane Prince, who... Some people sort of rolled their eyes about thinking the Islanders should have done a little bit more, but my buddy B.D. Galoff, who does a great job covering the Islanders up in New York, said that uh, he's pretty excited about Shane Prince getting on board there. That's a good young player, and uh, they think that he has some great upside. So we'll see how that works out. A couple quick uh, other trades I wanted to mention that were big, and you can't, you can't talk trade deadline without talking about what the Chicago Blackhawks did. They added Andrew Ladd, uh, Dale Weiss, Tomas Fleischman, and it was just crazy because they kept adding and adding and adding. That's going to be uh, a team that's soon going to get Marion Hosa back off the injured reserve list. And just adding Weiss and Ladd, those are two players that have leadership. They're hard-nosed. They can score a little bit, specifically Ladd. I mean, he won the cup with the with the uh, Blackhawks back in 2010. Also won a cup in 2006 with the Carolina Hurricanes. So they're a lot tougher right now, and they paid the price for it, though. They gave up a first-round pick and Mark Dano for Ladd, and then they sent out young uh, francophone forward Philip Dano to get Weiss and Tomas Fleischman. I heard from a, a little birdie, though, that uh, Joel Quinville had soured a little bit on Philip Dano, even though um, he had chipped in and looked pretty good 
in the games, the 30 games that he played for the Blackhawks this year, but he had been toiling in their minor league system. That's a guy that was probably ready to make the jump to the NHL, but Joel Quenville wasn't that big a fan, and that's why you see him ship to the Montreal Canadiens, and I think that'll be a nice fit for him. Calgary Flames, they've got some nice return on all the pieces they sent out. They sent uh, Chris Russell to the Dallas Stars, and they got themselves uh, a couple of very nice prospects. I would call them A-level prospects in the deal that they made. Uh, they acquired some draft picks. They, they had a pretty nice run for themselves, so that was nice to see. Told you about what the Panthers and Bruins did already. I think that they did really well for themselves at the trade deadline, and um, the Carolina Hurricanes did not get that great a return for Eric Stahl, but they were able to trade Chris for Stieg, John Michael Lyles for a bunch of futures. So they acquired a bunch of draft picks and should be better situated to help their rebuild before this year's all said and done. One guy that I think was a loser of the trade deadline was Jonathan Drew in of the Tampa Bay Lightning had been rumored all season long that he was going to be traded as soon as this deadline. It may happen at the draft now, uh, but he ended up taking a, um, he ended up, He's suspended right now because he just left the team in the American Hockey League when he was reassigned there. He was upset. He feels like he should be playing in the NHL. He played just two games for the Syracuse Crunch before hanging it up and, and taking his equipment and heading home. Well, Steve Eiserman did not trade him. He didn't like any of the offers he got for the young player. And he offered him sort of an olive branch on Monday night saying, you're welcome to come back and play for the organization while you, you wait for this to, to settle up in the summertime. Well... Um, sources are saying across the league that he will not return to the Lightning. A source close to the uh, situation said that ship has sailed, quote unquote, under you know, and just saying there's no chance he's going to go and do it. He um, said he, he's he's done with the Lightning. He's not going to play with them. So he's being a stubborn young man, and I think he's hurting his value every day that he does so. A couple quick things about the Pens before we get you your Twitter questions and your news of the weird. Uh, first, the Penguins went 2-1 and one since our last show. That tough outing in Boston was last Wednesday. They lost 5-1 to one in that game. Just uh, It was a 2-1 game for the longest you know, the longest stretch of the night. And the next thing you know, Bruins just blow it open in the third period, end up winning it 5-1. to one. But the Penguins come back in a big way, getting four huge points against the two Western opponents that they ran into, the Winnipeg Jets and the Arizona Coyotes. By a combined score of 10-1, to one, they beat those two teams. Marc-Andre Fleury allowed just one goal over the two games. He stopped 57 shots in the process in those two victories. Great stuff from him. Uh, Got to mention, Penguins going with a three-goaltender approach the rest of the season. Everyone thought they were going to trade Jeff Zakoff. It didn't happen. They ended up keeping him, and Matt Murray's been recalled, and now you're going to have the three-headed monster in goal. I'm sure Flurry's going to get the bulk of the starts. You'll probably see Matt Murray get the second most, and maybe Zakoff gets a start. I don't think he's going to play, though. I think it's going to be Flurry and Murray the rest of the way, and we'll see if the Penguins end up trying to risk Zakoff because he's going to have to clear waivers if they try and assign him to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. But uh, the bad news is... Um, I never like a three-goalie approach, so we'll see how it works for them. Should mention, though, Penguins' top line in that uh, Arizona game Monday night, outstanding. Patrick Hornquist scored the first hat-trick of his career and a career-high four points in the game because he had an assist. Sidney Crosby had three assists in that game. It was a season-high for him. Chris Kunitz had a goal and an assist, one of five Penguins to finish with a plus four in that uh, six-goal outburst. So great to see that happen. And beginning with the game in Washington Tuesday, the Penguins will play 16 of their last 21 games versus the division, 
that's going to be big in determining the winner of the Metropolitan Division. I mean, not the winner because no one's catching the Capitals. But generally, setting up number two, number three, number four in the division. These, these 16 games are going to be huge. Now, it's also a span where the Penguins are going to play uh, 16 games over a 31-day span in March. It's just the ninth time in franchise history that the team will play that many games in a calendar month. It's their heaviest workload of the season, and they can make the most hay with this uh, stretch of games as well. Historically, the Penguins have done a tremendous job of gaining points in the month of March. We used to always say they would bloom, and Marc-Andre Fleury would bloom, the flower would bloom in March. Well, you're going to see it happen again, hopefully this year, because dating all the way back to Sidney Crosby's second year in the league, that was 2006-07. Uh, the, that was also the year that the team's run of nine straight playoff appearances began. Since then, Penguins, 89, 32, and 14 in the month of March. We'll see if they keep that alive. Uh, and you're going to watch Mike Sullivan be very liberal in how he uses his players for game day skates and practices. They're not going to have many full practices. You'll see guys get maintenance days and get some days off. So it's going to be an interesting thing to watch how he manages it, how he manages the play of his goaltenders and some of his veterans, uh, specifically a guy like Matt Cullen comes to mind. Now, let's get you a couple quick Twitter questions here. First, uh, our good friend Steve Gugliacello from Beaver, uh, Beaver County Times and TimesOnline.com, he asked me via text earlier in the week, do we need a better metric than shots for both offense and defense? Not all opportunities are created equal. And I'll say this, Steve, I agree with you. That's why I don't like a lot of the advanced stats metrics because you could just take a you know 27 shots from the blue line and you know you're not going to score on those, but a guy's going to get judged a little bit more favorably than somebody who's not shooting the puck from those areas just because he's driving possession, driving more shots to the goal, and so on. I I like one stat, and I wrote about this, and, you probably, and I'm sure Steve saw this in the paper. Hopefully you guys did too. But points per 60 minutes is a nice metric for me. I always like to, to judge a guy's impact on his team and on an organization by looking at points per 60 minutes because even if he's being used in a third-line role or a fourth-line role, that metric will show you what he would be doing with more ice time, with a bigger role, with he with him shouldering a bigger load. So take a look. Even if uh, you're listening to this, if you want to check out the leaders, NHL.com has it, as well as a couple other websites. If you just search NHL points per 60 minute leaders, you'll get a ton of great um, lists that show you, and uh, it opens your eyes a little bit. Of the players traded at the deadline on Monday, or coming into the weekend and, and into Monday, Yuri Hoodler was among the leaders in points per 60, as were P.A. Parento. He didn't end up moving, but that's why those guys were so valuable, because their roles had diminished with the teams they were playing on, but at the same time, they chip in a lot in terms of points per 60. Uh, we have a pod question here from our good buddy Chris Needles Heel on Twitter. He said, now that Oli Mata is signed long-term, which I didn't mention, he did sign a six-year contract extension um, last week. So I assumed you knew that already, but if you didn't, Oli Mata not going anywhere for at least six more seasons. But uh, Chris asks, now that he's signed with 87, that's Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Phil Kessel, and Carl Hagelin. I don't see a rebuild in the near future. How do the Pens get better? Well, let me tell you, by drafting well, 
by getting continuous impact by guys like Scott Wilson and Brian Rust and Connor Sheary and those guys that come in and on league minimum contracts. If you can get players that are productive for $900,000 a year, that's how you get better. You've got to continuously fill your pipeline with those kinds of players, though, and I think the Penguins are starting to do so. I would think this summer, though, is going to be an interesting one for Jim Rutherford. I think he's going to find a way to ship out a couple veterans, get himself an infusion of youth, and... Um, I know he missed out on someone like Brandon Saad last year, but I think that you will see him get a couple, a player in that ilk, maybe a younger guy, maybe a younger guy on his blue line and on his uh, in his forward ranks to um, help solidify the back end of his lineup with somebody that can blossom over the next two, three, four, five years. But that's how you do that. And um, Jason on Twitter, Jason Twenty One Ice asked me about Dustin. Um, <laughs> why can't I, why am I doing this to myself? Oh, Dustin Jeffrey, uh, why the Penguins would acquire him. And I sort of explained that a little bit earlier in the show, just to get more center depth at the bottom end of the organizational depth chart due to Oscar Sundquist dealing with an injury right now. That's the biggest thing. And uh, Dustin Jeffrey, still a solid citizen, somebody that can contribute a little bit. With that, let me get you your news of the weird, and I will get you out of this supersize edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. And this news of the weirds a little bit goofy, which they all are. California Pony in unicorn getup captured after three-hour hunt. This comes from Madeira, California and the Associated Press out there. The calls coming into a California Highway Patrol office were alarming. A tiny unicorn was running down a road. Uh, KSEETV reported that more than three hours later, the suspect was taken into custody. A not-so-mythical white pony named Juliet, who wears a fake horn for photo sessions, was illuminated by a um, California Highway Patrol helicopter on uh, on Wednesday in an orchard, and Madero Ranchero's resident, Renee Party used another horse to lead it out. Uh, the unicorn's owner, five-year-old Tatum Bose says Juliet was given a timeout for being a bad pony. So no real unicorn, unfortunately, but one was roaming the streets. Keep your eyes peeled, though, because you never know when you will see a mythical beast. There are plenty out there. I want to believe. And that was my homage to the X-Files, which ended last week. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry that six episodes ended, but still, I want to believe there are mythical creatures out there, including aliens, right? Wrong. Tell me you don't agree on Twitter at Brian underscore Metzer. Thanks for listening to this show. Always appreciate it. I appreciate your input on Twitter. Hit me up over there at Brian underscore Metzer. Hit me on Facebook if you like. I'm uh, readily available to you on all social media channels. Look me up there. Glad to interact with you. And of course, we will be back next Wednesday. So be there or be less than circular for the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast.